Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. The NFL season, it's in full swing. It's Thanksgiving next week. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. It's week 11 in the NFL. Bears are on a bye week, so I want to welcome back one of our guests from previous pods from the Believe in New York football podcast, our host, Steven Rodriguez. I'm so excited to talk to him once more. Coming to us live from the city of Obi Toppin. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. You mentioned the Bears are on a bye. The Giants also on a bye. Neither of us can be disappointed this weekend. That's exciting. It's very good. I wasn't disappointed or as disappointed as you were last weekend. Um, at least not on Monday night, but yeah, I'm riding a bit of a high. You're kind of trending downwards. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with the Bears, but let's stay positive here. Week 11, a lot of football to get to. I'm not a Knicks fan, but I don't think they messed up that Obi Toppin pick. That's my only take on it. They managed to not mess it up this year. They managed to do the bare minimum and not mess And you know what? It makes a lot of sense. Madison Square Garden, you got to get yourself a rim rocker. At the very least, he's going to look really good in the opening credits when they're running the starting lineup stuff. So we're excited for that. And you're right, man. This is a great week. This is the best week I've had in the Bears season, uh, I believe, in about five weeks because we're rolling on a four-game winning streak and they're not playing this weekend. So we can actually get through the week and maybe I'll get some sleep this weekend. But, yeah, we're here to talk some NFL lines. Love getting your insight and perspective on some betting lines that are coming up this weekend. Some really interesting games, some marquee matchups. So, man, let's start it right off the bat. I mean, we're time stamping this, 10-15 Pacific time on Thursday, which means we got a football game tonight. The Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks are three-point uh, favorites right now. How do you see this game shaking out? Because this one is going to be interesting no matter what happens. So I was watching this line today, and it's kind of teetering down most places to two and a half, which I think is really interesting. It started at three and a half, so that made me really want to come in on the cards, and I think that cued a lot of people to come in on the cards, being that this was a field goal game last time. Now you're starting to see the home team in the, in the Seahawks under three points. Again, this was an overtime field goal game, very down to the wire. This is going to decide a lot. This is first place for the division on the line. A lot is moving in this game, and we talked about it before we got on air. There's a lot of uncertainty with me in this matchup because I still don't know how to feel on the Cardinals, and the Seattle Seahawks are just trending downwards. The Cardinals are Hail Mary away from not beating the Bills, but they got the Hail Mary. They ended up beating the Bills, and everyone thinks now they're this juggernaut. They beat Seattle, again, barely, though. They had to battle back in that one, too. A lot of things had to happen. A few Russell Wilson turnovers in the in the end zone, and obviously that's continued to trend. I like the Seahawks here with that number under three, just because I feel like the world's going to come in on the Cardinals, and we've seen it already. And I just can't see Russell Wilson continuing to make the mistakes he's making. I think he's too good, and I think if you've seen the games that they've lost in recent in in the recent three weeks, two weeks, a lot of them are uncharacteristic errors in the end zone. I mean, they're leaving points off the board, and it's just not something he does. I don't know what's going on there. I think he's doing too much without Carson. 
who I don't think is going to be back, but I think they're supposed to have Hyde. I think the key to this game for Seattle is to run the ball a little bit and take the pressure off for us. I just don't see him turning the ball over enough for them to lose again to the Cardinals, which is why they won the first time. That's a great point too, as well, because you know, all season, especially in the first month of the year, it was Russell Wilson throwing the ball. He's got the keys to the car. Now he's the MVP. Well, don't forget to, they were also kind of banking on that blend in the running game, which has actually been the hallmark of a Seattle Seahawks offense the past few seasons. And now that they don't have it, and, you know, they're rotating in DJ Dallas, so I don't think he's playing tonight. They're hopefully going to get Carlos Hyde. Taking that complexion out of their offense, they've kind of slowed down a little bit. You know, the Russell Wilson for MVP talk is kind of dimmed just a little bit, which is why I'm skeptical, and I'm with you on the Seahawks this evening because we see the Cardinals, they are riding in a momentum right now. They're riding off a of Hale Murray right now. Can they really continue that? and keep capitalizing on that while the Seattle Seahawks team has kind of dipped back the last couple weeks. I'm with you. I kind of see a bounce back from Seattle tonight. That number going down to two and a half is really interesting to me because I guess they think that it's going to be a really close game. I'm kind of feeling that Seattle actually can maybe take a little control in this game, maybe win by six or seven points. I'm not positive this is going to be a really close game. And also, are you kind of buying the whole concept of the Cardinals almost have too much momentum? And the Seahawks are just struggling a little too much where something, something's a little off there and maybe gets corrected tonight. Yeah, for me, it just seems like a trap. And it's not even so much a trap. It just seems too easy to ride the wave of the hot team that's the underdog going against a division opponent that they've beat. Uh, another number I want to look at is the over here that's gone down to 57 in most places. It opened at 58. I don't know how to feel about the over in terms of early in the week, I'm just saying to smash it. Because the Seattle defense is terrible. The Cardinals defense, not great. And you just feel a bunch of points being scored here. Again, this is a divisional matchup that I can't put my finger on because the cards against the Bills last week only had nine points through most of the game. Midway through the third, they really didn't score very much. And I love the over. And I'm going to tell you to take the over. But more for the fact that I think in this second half, if there's a slow start, I think maybe take the in-game over, if anything, if you think this number's too high, because these defenses, again, back to the Cards-Bills game, the Cards let up a game-winning drive to end that game. People aren't going to talk about it because you know the Hail Mary, but Josh Allen led the Bills down the field through a touchdown pass in minutes to Stephon Diggs. I mean, people talk how bad this Seahawks defense is. I think they overlook that this Cards defense is also very, very vulnerable and could be taken advantage of by Russell Wilson. Again, he was having his way with them. Three touchdown passes to Lockett the last time they played. And then you're working the fact that he should have had another touchdown pass, but Buda Baker made an incredible play, which everyone now knows as the meme of the year when DK tracked him down. I just think if Russell takes away those end zone turnovers, this is a completely different ball game, and Seattle is just the better team. And I'm with you on that too as well in terms of that number, that 57 number where – to get to that number, I would like to think that things are going to have to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. When I don't really see it necessarily working out like that. So I'm with you. I'm kind of looking more at the second half, seeing what kind of game we have in store here between two division rivals in that first half and then kind of making a decision in the second half and playing a number that might work a little bit better for you and maybe you feel a little bit easier when you're placing your bet in that area. Uh, let's move on. You're excited about this game. You don't have the Giants this weekend, but I know that you're tuning in for this one. Philadelphia Eagles and the Cleveland Browns, uh, st strap it in, get ready. Uh, 
We've got Cleveland Browns with three and a half point favorites. I'm betonline.ag. I'm sure it's a little bit different in different markets. The over-under is 47 and a half. You're going to have your eyes glued to this one because you're going to be rooting for the Browns. What do you see happening in this game, Steven? So I have PTSD with the line at three and a half because most Browns betters like myself last week. And it's my own fault. You know, I went on this whole rant when the Raiders beat the Browns and I just saw the Browns as favorites. And I said, whenever you see the Browns as favorites, throw up the red flag, challenge it. Don't believe it. Don't believe the hype. But then last week I went against myself. I said, the Browns are going to win this game. They're going to smoke them because of the running game. They're going to cover the spread regardless of what it is. And they almost did. And then Nick Chubb, for whatever reason, just decided to step out at the one-yard line and ruin all the hook betters. Everyone who had this at three and a half just got pummeled. So here and I am I, again. And if I can interject really quickly. Yes. I still don't understand, and you're a high school football coach, I do not understand the philosophy of getting a 10-point lead with a minute to go being a bad thing. Can you explain that to me? I still don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. I think he doesn't have – enough incentives in his contract where apparently touchdowns are looked at as a bad thing. It was his first game back. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I can't make sense of it. It's worse than the Todd Gurley thing from years past. Todd Gurley, that was like a neck and neck when it was Rams Packers. It was neck and neck for a one seed. Like I get it. You're beating the Texans. Like run, put up points. I, I Besides, you play the game to score the touchdowns. I mean, yes. I don't know. It's just, you play to win the game. You play yep. to win the game. We, we digress, though, that, yeah. Yeah, aside from that, I love the Browns running game. With that said, 200-yard rushes last week. The Giants had their way running the ball against the Eagles last week, and I thought that would be the key to, uh, for them to win the game, and it was ultimately with Danny as well as the running backs. Mind you, the running backs were Alfred Morris and Wayne Goldman, and they were still able to have their way. I love the running game in this for the Browns, but I will say I am skeptical in terms of what Eagles team is going to show up. I think most people expect them to trend downwards and kind of die out, and that may be true. But in terms of the spread, again, PTSD from last week with that three and a half, we just talked about how Seattle is now at two and a half. That's a lot better of a number. I can easily see this being a field goal game. I think the Eagles know their season is going to be on the line. I feel really good that the Browns will win this game. However, I'm not ready to say the Eagles are going to die just yet, and I think they're going to keep this game a lot closer than most people expect. It's going to be an interesting game, and funny enough, it has playoff implications on both sides, and the Browns are obviously trying to stay in the hunt. The Philadelphia Eagles are under 500, and they're trying to stay atop the NFC East. So this is a weird one. I'll be honest, I, you know, we want to be optimistic. This is a betting pod, but I'm staying away from this game. Mm -hmm. I, I've been trying to, you know, sprinkle in a little Eagles plays all season long. They've just been absolute brutal to bet on that 47 and a half. I actually kind of like the over on that one, but I do see like I, I'm with you on the field goals. I just think this thing can kind of get wild in the end. And again, with the Browns, tough to place your money on the Browns, but I do think they are going to control the run, as you mentioned, with that two headed monster with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And honestly, that's all they really need to do and just keep letting the Eagles and Carson Wentz make mistakes. Honestly, just keep giving them opportunities to screw this game up, and it probably will happen for the Browns. I just – both these teams have been really hard to bet on all season long, and now they're playing each other, which is also a major, like, a double stay away for me. Again, whenever the Browns are favorited, you have to stop yourself and say, what's going on here? This some, – something is not working out. Stop right yourself, now. excuse yourself from the dinner table, take a walk around the block, 
reset, recalibrate, and come back. And if you still feel the same, go for it. But at least you took the time to think about it. To that over-under, by the way, it has increased on betonline.ag when I had done the New York football pod that opened at 45 and a half. So now at 47 and a half, I still feel fine about it because I do like what you're saying in terms of, I think this could be like a 28, 21 game and that'll cover that number without an issue, but it has increased. So I do think that, again, you look at this game, you think it's going to be a poop game. The Browns had three points through a majority of the game last week. The Eagles offense looked in shambles, but I think you're starting to see with that line that this is going to be an unpredictable game. And I think most people know that the over is probably the easier play for your own sanity. And both of these teams are just really hard to bet on and trust. And in terms of in-game plays, I would probably advise people to just stay away from that first half. I see a scenario where either team could be down 17-3 to by the second quarter. And I can't honestly tell you which one it is. And by the end of that game, they could probably still maybe even cover that three-and-a-half spread. No joke, right? Like, and that's, that's been the Eagles' M.O. all season long, too, as well, what they've been down you know, what, 20 to three or something like that, 24 to seven. And then all of a sudden Carson Wentz kind of roars back, you know, just kind of duct tapes a couple of touchdowns together and gives himself a shot in the game. And I mean, I personally, it's going to be an interesting game to watch, but I, I'm just kind of sort of staying away from that one personally. That one I'm not a big fan of. Let's keep on moving here. Uh, an interesting game, Falcons at Saints. Um, Saints, five points, favorites. We've got a 50 and a half right now for overall points on bet online. Falcons right now, five point underdogs, plus 190 on the money line. Any chance that the Falcons have a shot at this one with Jameis Winston behind center or you're not buying it? You think that the system and the structure of the Saints is too much and they'll probably come out with a win regardless. I actually really like the Falcons this week and it startles me because every time I kind of feel this way, they just completely burn me and blow it at the end of the game. Again, this is like you just said, one of these teams is going to come out with the lead and then come fourth quarter. God knows what's going to happen, especially with Jameis Winston at quarterback. I love the over. I mean, that's more of my play in this game. 51 with this offense, the Saints D has looked vulnerable and you have Jameis Winston again, whether he's throwing pick sixes or picks and giving short field or he's just bombing the ball downfield. He's a system guy, but he's still Jameis Winston. And I don't necessarily believe all that just yet. Here's my take on the Falcons real quick this week and why I like them. I think the money line's a better of a play because five doesn't get you too, too comfortable in terms of you don't get the seven, you're over the three, but I think this is a touchdown game. I like the money line straight out because it seems to me that Raheem Morris, who was taken over as the interim with the Falcons, they're now three and one under him. Defensive-minded coach, usually when you look at the Falcons, you think they're not going to play defense. That's just not happening. They've changed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. And I think especially coming off a bye against a division rival that's beaten up on them in the past, I believe the Saints have won four of the last five. This is going to be a Falcons team that will definitely keep it close. And I understand if you take the points. But when it comes to the Falcons, it's a coin toss at the end of the game. And I just feel like they may be able to pull this one out because the Saints are just going to be more unpredictable than usually expected. And you're right, man. Over the last couple of weeks, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, in terms of giving up fantasy points to the quarterback, I mean, they were, they were Santa Claus, the gift they kept on giving. But the last couple of weeks, you know, in the last three games, they have only allowed only four touchdown passes. You know, they were able to kind of hold Teddy Bridgewater and Matt Stafford down. And that's the thing is they are very, very familiar with Jameis Winston. So this isn't like the wild card coming in, not sure what he's going to show. I am very curious to see what the split between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill is going to be in the backfield. 
you know, could you see Taysom Hill getting more snaps, or do you think it's going to kind of reflect and resemble more of what Drew, B- what Drew Brees had when he was out there? Winston out there 85% of the time, Taysom Hill 15% of the time. I don't know what to expect, and I think last year gave you the clearest indication of what they're trying to do with Taysom Hill when Bridgewater got back there and they still use Taysom Hill. I think they love the fact that he truly is a wild card and he can just play receiver and throw the ball and run the ball, and he's just a Swiss Army knife. And I think if they put too much on him, he kind of shows his colors and people can kind of get more of a read on him than they already do. I think they keep him in the same role and try to rely on Jameis Winston. But to that point, it would be very interesting to see if Winston gets in early trouble, starts turning the ball over. I'm not saying they're going to bench the guy in a week, but it would be interesting to see if Sean Payton decides to kind of pull the reins on him a little bit and give Taysom Hill some drives. Because I think that's very possible, especially if you start throwing pig sixes and turnover after turnover and forcing things. And dear fantasy overlords, please get Michael Thomas involved this weekend. It would be really nice to my first round pick actually did something this season. Moving on, Tennessee Titans at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens six-point uh, favorites in this game. We've got the money line for the Titans to win at plus 220. That's a really interesting number. I'm dying to hear what you think about this. I like the Titans to cover, and I also maybe think the Titans can win this game. I'm on the same page as you, and I think it's more because I've been a homer for the Ravens all season. Uh, I, they're still 6-3, and three, but that Patriots loss, and I know I understand the weather situation, it startled me a little bit. This offense has looked stagnant. Then you throw in the fact that the Titans own them in the playoffs, kind of have their number, and the biggest thing for this game will be Derrick Henry. He ran for 200 against him in the playoff game. Why did they lose to the Patriots last week? The run, whether it was a rainy game or not. I think the Titans can just pound the rock, pound the rock, and we've showed. I think the Ravens have one win if they're trailing at half. This is another game. Watch the in-game betting. If the Titans manage to go up at halftime, it's all but over. And it's crazy to think that way, but it's true. The Ravens cannot come back in the second half. And – I don't know what's going on with Lamar and this offense right now. Some people think he's a little banged up. He's hurt. Maybe they got it figured out. I can't put a pin on it. I'm not trying to speculate anything. In terms of brass on brass, I just think the Titans might have the Ravens number here and have all the keys to really take advantage of it in terms of the running game and enough weapons on the outside. One more thing on the Titans, too. They lost to the Colts, right? They got, they got smoked. But I still feel, again, Thursday night game, it's very unpredictable division game. That was for first place. They knew what was on the line. So the Titans are going to come in a little pissed off with extra rest as well. And that game could have been different if A.J. Brown catches that 70-yard pass down the sideline. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. He didn't catch it. But the Titans have extra rest, are going to come in pissed off, and I think have a little swagger with them, especially playing against the Ravens. I just really like that Colts defense, too, as well. Sometimes you just mm-hmm. get your ass kicked in a little bit. Um, I, here's what I'm thinking on the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm with you. I don't want to speculate on an injury Lamar Jackson. I mean, let's be honest. What is fact, though, is in training camp, he was held out at times with shoulder issues. So let's just say even if it isn't an injury, maybe it's something that he's trying to manage a little bit. You know what I mean? Something, you know, when a starter makes 30 starts in a season, not every single one he's feeling top notch. That could be something that he's dealing with. And then also what's really interesting is last year, not only were the Ravens explosive and exciting, they didn't make mistakes, and they capitalized on other people's mistakes. And what I'm seeing in this game between the Titans and the Ravens is the Titans specifically are a team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. They're going to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. You know, their, t- their defense 
is a little suspect, but playing a shade better. But for the most part, a fairly disciplined outfit. And what I'm seeing with the Baltimore Ravens is they just don't have the luxury that they did last year of not making mistakes. They almost played perfect football at times last year. And Lamar Jackson, you know, hasn't necessarily been able to take care of the football the way that he did the year previous. I'm just kind of seeing them continuing to slide a little bit, and they're fighting it. And the Titans are a more talented team than the Patriots are. Can the Ravens win this game? Sure, but I still like a lot of numbers trending towards the Titans right now this week. I like the six points for sure. I think this game will definitely come down to potentially a field goal. Maybe Justin Tucker pulls it out. They have the better kicker. Because obviously, Gaskowski, if it comes down to him, the Titans are going to lose this game because that guy is more unpredictable than any kicker I've seen in recent memory, other than maybe a Bears kicker. But I won't, <laughs> I won't, I won't take any more jabs at the Bears kickers. I know it's a sore subject. Um, Here's another thing. I think the Ravens running game and what made them so explosive last year had to do with Lamar running between tackles, design runs for Lamar. And that's why I think a lot of people think he might be a little banged up because you're not seeing those play calls anymore. And what you're seeing instead is that three running back tandem of Gus Edwards, Mark, uh, Mark Ingram, and J.K. Dobbins. And that's all great. But none of those three running backs are doing better than the other. They just got Ingram back. No one's really doing anything in that running offense other than Lamar, who they're barely using. So I think if the Ravens come out and don't utilize Lamar in this running game and take advantage, again, Titans defense is better. And I think that's why this number is where it's at and not a lot closer because I think they're expecting the Ravens to be able to score touchdowns, which is fair, but they've been better. And if Lamar isn't involved in this running game, I think their box will be good enough to contain those three running backs and Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and Mark Ingram. And if you're able to do that, Let's be honest, the talent on the skill player positions for their wide receivers just isn't that great. And Mark, Ed, Mark Andrews, you can say, well, teams are double teaming him, trying to take him out of the game plan. He just hasn't really been a factor the way that he was last year. And now he's looking more like an X factor for them last year than an actual dude who's, you know, one of their biggest stars on the receiving end. Steven, it's time to move on. The big game of the week, Jets versus Chargers. I'm kidding, dude. We're not doing that game. Uh, we're moving on. We're going to do Packers-Colts. This is, uh, this is the pick'em game of the week. Uh, we've got the Colts as one-point favorites right now at home against Indy. Uh, we've got, let's see here, Packers on the money line to win, plus 110. We have over under 51. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you think in this game because this feels like that field goal at the end of the game. This feels like Aaron Rodgers with the drive that needs to come up with points. This feels like Phillip Rivers could be down three points and throws a pick in the fourth quarter. This just feels like a really tight game to me. What are you seeing with this matchup? So the number opened at two and a half, and this was one of my favorite teaser games. I was able to uh, put this in a teaser and bring it up to eight and a half for the Packers. Love that. Couldn't believe they were really even dogs in this game, but I understand the home field advantage and a bit of recency bias in terms of, you know, the Colts are now in first place. They beat the Titans, so I get all that jazz. I like the Packers a lot in this game. Uh, I just like the Packers in general, and for me, I usually in pickums just kind of boil it down to this. Who do you want with the ball in your hands? What quarterback are you trusting the most? And you just said it. Three-point game. If Phillip gets that drive, most likely turning the ball over and not getting the job done. Exactly. If Rodgers has it, if third down, and this is a pick and I just need them to win, give me the ball in Rodgers' hands any day of the week. And that might be so dumbed down and simplistic, and they might even end up beating them just outright because I think how Rodgers and Devontae Adams have looked this week, again, uh, this year, the Colts D has been great, but their secondary very exposable. Devontae is pretty much all they had, and, and granted, Alan Lazard's coming back, but it's insane to watch right now the chemistry between Rodgers and Adams on a week to week basis. I love their running game as well with Williams and Jones. 
But Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are playing out of their minds right now and could probably just win this game outright by themselves. It's it's going to be very interesting. I, I, and I'm with you with all the the Packers' weapons. I mean, Aaron Jones, what, he's been quiet for one week because he finally didn't score a touchdown. But that dude finds the end zone every, every, almost every single week. And Devontae Adams, the exact same. I mean, this season, he's a 11-catch, 180-yard, two-touchdown game waiting to happen almost every single week. Just really interested to see them against this Colts defense. I'm a big believer in that defense. If you take a look at some of the numbers, they've allowed only 11 passing touchdowns through 10 games to quarterbacks this season. I mean, that is a number that is just really interesting. They've also, I believe, have allowed 200 passing yards or less to quarterbacks five different times this year. And I'm just looking at the stats right now. Like, just from a fantasy perspective, the highest number was Matt Stafford scored 23 fantasy points. I mean, that's like okay, but that's not great. That's the highest number the Colts have allowed all season. Granted, a lot of the quarterbacks they've seen, not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers... Last two or three weeks has shown that he's thrown a couple picks here and there, has been able to play super great, but he's playing at an MVP-type level. Hop in, Steven. The offensive line of the Packers will obviously be the difference maker. They've been able to keep Rodgers clean a lot, and I think the Colts' M.O. to helping that uh, secondary out, which, again, isn't fantastic but has seemed fantastic on paper, is because the pressure. What helps a secondary that isn't great? When you put pressure on the quarterback and you have a box stop in the run with Darius Leonard, you got Buckner involved, you have a box that is formidable. So the Packers offensive line is really going to solidify this game. But I will also say if you flip it to the other side in terms of offensive lines, I think the Colts key to this game is easily running the ball. The Packers lost to the Vikings. And granted, the Vikings were on an uptick, but they got ran over by Dalvin Cook. I mean, gashed. And so... I think the Colts need to come out and do exactly that. But to our point, I think if you saw the Ravens game, they tried to do that, and the Ravens kind of saw it and were able to do enough to limit them and make Phillip have to make plays. And I just think if they can't get that run game going and it comes down to Phillip making plays, I just, I, I just can't trust them enough. To I saw too many sidearm passes against the Titans. Just way too many, and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I, you don't I like those. You don't like those side slingers that he's uh, that he's he doesn't get it over his shoulder pad. I still don't understand it. It has to literally be so like he like brings himself back like a catapult and has to extend every single ounce of his body to be able to throw the football. And I'm with you. The Packers build a lead in that second third quarter, and guess what? Philip Rivers has to throw the ball multiple times over ten yards. Colts are in trouble. It just might not work out for them. We got one more game on the slate. I want to hear your perspective on Rams, Bucks, Rams, four point underdogs. Uh, I, I mean, obviously Tampa Bay's at home, so that makes a little bit of sense. Usually, give the home team about a touchdown, so they get they get to bring the points back down because the Rams are a good team. Forty eight and a half is the over under on the points scored in the game. We got plus one seventy eight on the money line for the Rams to win. Who do you like in this game? I like the Rams. I'll be honest. So. Before I even get to a side here, I'm going to just say I'm taking the under here, and people won't expect that. It's a, I, I, got it, I had it at 48, so you, I think you said 48 and a half. Either way, something's going to have to give here in terms of the Bucks have probably the best overall efficiency defense in the league. I'm pretty sure they're still up there. The Rams got to be top three, top five as well, and you saw what they were able to do to Russell Wilson last week. Monday night game in Tampa, and, and – I feel like initially I wanted to jump on the Bucs here, but I actually got burned by the Bucs big time in that Saints-Bucs game when the Bucs hosted them in prime time and got absolutely smoked and Brady threw three picks and couldn't find the end zone to save his life. And they should have been shut out and they kicked a field goal. 
I'm on the Rams side a little bit more, but not outright. I'll take them with the points to kind of play this safe because I feel like Brady knows what's on the line in terms of there's blood in the water with the Saints right now. I think if there's any time for the Bucks to wake up and try to show all the people who thought they were Super Bowl contenders that they are, it's now. It's this week against a good team in the Rams when the Saints, again, I think they might lose to the Falcons. And if Breeze is playing, there's no way that game is even close. So the Bucs have a chance, despite losing to the Saints twice, to still win that division. But they're going to have to be good teams and win out most of the rest of the season. And that'll start this week. I'll take the Rams with the points because I think it's going to be a very defensive-heavy game. But I really just see not many points being scored here, especially after Brady dropped a three-burger on a Sunday night football for me the other week. Yeah, and the over-under is really tough because that, that 48-and-a-half or 48, I mean, that is a total – that's kind of a Vegas zone moment where I can't really bring myself to go that much over. And going under just seems kind of ridiculous with Tom Brady on the field. So that's a bit of a stay away from me. And the problem that I have with the Bucks is – and look, it's still a week before Thanksgiving. There's still plenty of time. There's a whole month of football left where teams can finally come together and turn into the team that they're actually going to look like when they enter the playoffs. But in terms of the Bucks, it's just been a choppy – linear progression in my opinion you know obviously that Saints game let's be honest the Saints kind of have the Bucks number but still I'm kind of over like they keep trying to get Leonard Fournette involved last week they finally gave the ball to Ronald Jones Jr. guess what he's the most talented back on the team all right yep. stop messing around no point you know they do have that great defense too as well but the offense isn't quite exactly where it wants to be with all these weapons which does make a lot of sense and with the Rams honestly top to bottom I love everything about the Rams except the quarterback Yep, and, and, and so it's almost like I like the coach so much that I feel like that he can protect the quarterback. You know, we're, we're, what are we saying here? Robert Woods reverses. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically what we're saying here in this offense. And I do like that they can at least put together an effort and a clean enough effort to get over a Bucks team that I still think is trying to figure its way out and still trying to gel and come together as a team. I think my issue and the reason I'm taking the under is more for Jared Goff than Tom Brady. And, and even though I, I kind of gave it to Tom Brady there for letting me down, the Rams offense is product of game script. And they're probably one of the most efficient offenses in, in the league. And I'm sure, but that's because of the head coach, not because of the weapons that they have on offense. And if they get stuffed a few times early on, and we could use the Phillip Rivers defense on this too. If the Bucks go up early, 14-3, and Jared Goff's got to come back and step back and make some plays pressured by this Bucks defense. And by the way, I'm not 100% sure, but I know Andrew Whitworth got hurt. That's a big deal. Whether he's fully healthy this week or not, that's a big-time left tackle missing for Jared Goff. So I'm just hesitant to pick a side because I think one of these defenses can make a big-time play to really change things up. But to your point, 1,000%, I mean, Jared Goff, the Rams would be Super Bowl contenders. They should go back if it wasn't for Jared Goff. The defense is that good. It's just flat out that good right now. And when you make Russell Wilson look as human as he did last week, you got you got to start really starting to tip your hat and consider them what they are. But this is going to say a lot for both of these teams. This week will say a lot. Both of these teams really in the NFC wildcard picture, both trying to win their divisions. But it's going to start by winning that game on Monday. Before we get you out of here, uh, we both told ourselves that we're going to ask each other each one question about our respective team that is on by this week. But in general, you know, it could be already a game that we've talked about. What's your favorite play this weekend in week 11? What do you got your eye on? What are you circling? What are you feeling really confident about? So 
my favorite play actually is this teaser I got in. And if you guys can still get it in there, feel free. I love the Bengals at one and a half. I brought them up to seven and a half. I told you guys the, the line for the Packers might've moved down to one, one and a half, maybe it's straight up pick them, but I got them at two and a half, brought that up to eight and a half. And then one last game, it just went back down again. And I think it's because Justin Herbert shaved his head, but it's, it's down to, it's down to eight and a half again. And if you can get that under three, Again, I love the Chargers. I, I, I try to pick them every week, and they let me down week in, week out. But if they can't beat the Jets, I'll never bet them again, uh, at least by three points, a field goal. Those three teams on a teaser should at least get you two, three to one. I like the Chargers to cover the three. They can't, I don't like the number elsewhere, um, anywhere else, even eight and a half. They can't, they can't be in a game. They're like the Giants. Can't be in a game that's not one possession. So that's over one possession with eight and a half. I don't trust it. Two and a half I like. I like – the Bengals, that it, it, they should win outright. But seven and a half to cover against a Washington team who can't do much on offense. I love that. And, yeah, I really like the Packers. So th- those three plays are really my go-to. And if you can get that in a teaser uh, at, those, at those numbers, I would really do that. Yeah, uh, hammer the teams that are playing uh, opponents with no offenses. Uh, yeah. it's, I think is your strategy this weekend. And I'm with you, too, where Washington's numbers in the beginning of the season were unfavorable towards quarterbacks. And Burrow got his head kicked in by the Steelers last week, but I do like Burrow in a bounce back this week um, against Washington, putting up a pretty decent number fantasy-wise and perhaps coming out with a win too as well. And with the Chargers, yeah, I'm with you. That I, I got Herbert in fantasy. I'm starting him this weekend. And, and the thing that scares me a little bit is it's 6-3 to three and like with two minutes to go in the first half. And everyone's like, what the heck's going on? The Jets are in the game. But I do think, man, they have way too many weapons on that team to honestly not have a feel-good game to have the most unchargers-like week possible and actually win going away and, and win comfortably. Steven, it's that time. We're going to ask each other one important question about our football team heading into the bye week. And I'm going to ask it to you because I don't think we'll ever get an opportunity to ask a question like this again with, uh, with a team that's under 500. The Giants got a shot at winning the division. Do you think that they can pull it off? I do. I really do in, in where they're shaping this offense. Uh, I think you saw the move that Joe Judge made this week, actually yesterday, um, to date this taping. It's Thursday afternoon. And real quick, any, any intel, any juicy gossip in terms of uh, what went down in that situation and to catch everyone so up? Their, they their offensive line coach, Colombo. Yeah, got fired. Joey, they did not get in a fist fight. Let's knock the fake news out of here. There was no fist fight. Essentially what happened is Joe Judge got involved with the offensive line over the last two to three weeks. The offensive line has significantly improved. The run game has significantly improved. He was doing the guy's job, the job for him. And I think he put everyone on notice. Look, the Giants aren't here to tank under Joe Judge. Will they win a division? I'm optimistic that they will. But more because they're going to be in every game because that's just the type of head coach that Joe Judge is. And I think they have a favorable enough season remaining. And I already told you this. There's three winnable games. If they can get to six wins, worst case scenario, they're a half game out of first, okay? And it's crazy to think, that's just where the division winner will be, but that's just what it is. And if they can do that, so be it. Win the division in a year that you shouldn't have, but it's because what they're doing with Danny right now is everything anyone has asked for with this offense. No Saquon, no this, no that. Our receivers are dropping passes. Ingram's faltering under pressure. Give the ball to Danny. Give it to your quarterback and let him make plays. Believe in him. Give him a running offense, let him run the ball, and wow, all of a sudden he's not turning the ball over. Your offense isn't predictable anymore, and you can control time of possession, 
and games. The last two wins they had were coast-to-coast dominant wins. Dominant wins. And it's, it's because Danny didn't turn the ball over, and they ran the ball. So if they can continue to do that with the offense being the way it is, and I haven't talked about the defense, but that's the best part of our team. So if the offense figures it out and the defense continues to play, it's gonna play, uh, play the way it's going to play, there's no doubt in my mind that they can compete, especially with the games against the Eagles already finished up. Yeah, and as you mentioned, we were talking pre-pod, you know, the Eagles' schedule does not get easier. And that team is so frustrating and so disappointing. And, yeah, sure, they've had injuries on the, on the offensive side of the ball, but, you know, they got some of those guys back last week, and it didn't really seem to matter a whole lot for them. And now they've got a game coming up, you know, against the Browns that is not going to be an easy win, and then the schedule gets even harder. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you, because it's crazy, you're going to have to deal with some of the, uh, you know, the peanut gallery and some of the jeers, you know, Whoever wins that division is looks like they're going to be under 500. You're going to have to hear it a lot, but it doesn't matter what your record is. It matters that you get there. Mm-hmm. And hey, if the, you're playing the way that you're talking about and the coaches seem to have the pulse on the team and what it needs to do and sort of maybe change some the culture around there of losing Giants football, who knows? They can win a playoff game. Why not? The NFC is pretty wide open, in my opinion. I mean, even the teams that we thought were untouchable, like the Seahawks, have kind of come back to earth the last couple of weeks. I think everyone's kind of vulnerable. And... uh and, and good for you, man. I mean, yeah, the fact that you're still in it, it's got to it's feel fun, and you're on a bye week, and you get to rest up and just see what happens. Meaningful games going into Thanksgiving again. No one went into the season expecting anything in a shortened offseason with a new offense, a new head coach, to just be in the thick of anything, to be in meaningful games, to beat a team in division that should have won it and were comfortable. And to the Eagles real quick, I feel like they still have a Super Bowl hangover. And I think the Eagles still forgot that Nick Foles won him that Super Bowl. I truthfully think this way because as a Giant fan, when we had Eli on his last legs of his year, it was a lot of that. I think it was a lot of denial in terms of we have all the same pieces. We have Lane Johnson, Jason Peters, Travis Kelsey, Ertz is still here, Alshon. This is the Super Bowl team. What's going on? And that's just the way the NFL is. And if you get stuck in the mud and kind of think you're entitled and the NFC sucks and we can just win this, you're going to get beat. You're going to get beat regardless of everyone being healthy and you coming off your bye. I think the Eagles got smacked in the face, and we talked about it with the Browns. What Eagles team comes out against the Browns will say a lot for the rest of this landscape of the East. And what you're mentioning, too, it happens in sports. I mean, it just you kind of hit, you kind of hit a nerve with me in terms of uh, you know, just the Cubs. In 2016, I mean, if you look at their offensive lineup, maybe not the rest of the team, but the offensive lineup, you know, 60% of those guys were on that team in 2016 when they won the championship. And you're just like, well, why can't they do it again? You know, we've got Rizzo, we got Baez, we got Schwarber, we got Brian. Why, you know, these are the same dudes, you know, that gave me, you know, one of the, <laughs> the greatest sports nights of my life. You know what I mean? The, <laughs> night, the sports night I'll never forget. And uh, yeah, no, so I, I, I'm right there with you. And I'm wondering, you know, we'll see what happens with the Eagles the rest of the season, but then off season, I think we could see a whole different scenario, a whole bunch of different scenarios from them drafting a quarterback to moving on from Carson Wentz, a whole different kinds of situation. Steven, any, any question? You have a question for me regarding oh. my Chicago Bears? Oh, oh. I definitely do. Oh, All right, bring it. it. It has to do with not necessarily quarterbacks. Obviously, both your quarterbacks are now dinged up, but more your offense. And I'm just going to keep it this general. Can the offense get worse? Is it possible for this offense to get worse? I know Nagy's not calling the plays anymore. Did you see it get better this week? Did it look as stagnant? Was it not as cute? What's the answer for this offense? Is well, it gonna uh, just... 
it, it, got, it, it, it got way worse, first of all. Mm. It, it got way worse. And let's start off, and it's a cliche, and it's a crutch, and honestly, a lot of teams deal with it all the time. But our offensive line is so banged up and so bad that it's almost like in our own heads at this point where the coaching staff, at some point, like, you know, you did draft these guys and sign these guys to contracts. At some point, you do have to trust them to go out and just do their job. And I almost feel like the coaching staff has such little confidence in this offensive line. It's completely hampering and handicapped how they're going about their offense. So then this last particular week, they brought in Bill Lazor to call plays. And what I saw was, you know, when you have a talent deficiency on a team, sometimes you're going to do a lot of heavy sets, a lot of strong side. Hey, let's just do what we do. Give ourselves a little help and let's just make it happen. They actually did the opposite where they tried to do a lot of weak side looks, try and get everyone buying in on one way, keeping everyone in the box and trying to roll out. And honestly, it worked for a couple drives in the first half, but again, it comes back to this too as well, where we are one of the worst football teams I've ever seen. Now you don't hit on every single play, but every once in a while, you, you know, you run a couple of plays and you're trying to set up things and you're trying to create looks so you can hit them later in games. And when you hit that button and try and make that big play, you know, you just got to capitalize on it. And I tell you, this bears team has to be like, Oh, for 18 of when they hit that button and actually draw up a concept and a route that actually works. And then something happens. The quarterback overthrows the pass gets tipped off the receiver's hands into the arms of, a, of the opposition. I mean, and it's so demoralizing. And then they get into the situation too, which drove me nuts where they switched uh, play callers. We've been bitching at Nagy for weeks about how when it's third and eight, he'll, he'll, he'll call up a six yard route. You know what I mean? Like always short of the sticks, always throwing short of the sticks. Well, this week, Bill Lazor, on a third and eight, he's running, he's running like dig routes with like a 12-yard deep, you know what I mean, a 12-yard deep concept, you know what I mean? So he's going so far out, and we're getting sacked. And now we're just like, wait a second, we can't, <laughs> we can't figure this out. And unfortunately, you know, from the outside looking in, it could be a bunch of different kinds of, you know, things going on. But personally, it just seems like a head coach that has a particular idea like, you know, I play this offense on Madden. I'm going to take it into real life. I play this on the drawboard. I'm going to take it into real life. He's so committed to this offense that I don't think the personnel can run. And it's this weird thing of can you adapt and collaborate with your personnel to make it work for the team? I mean, you're a high school football coach. If you don't have guys that are running 4.240s, you know what I mean? You're not going to be yep. – you're not going to be just, you know, chucking the ball down the field. You have to find different ways based on their skill set to try and make this thing work and make it efficient. Nagy's struggle with that constantly continues. It's been going on for a year and a half. And honestly, it's so weird. The dude was coach of the year two years ago, and, and he, is, he is officially on the hot seat in Chicago. And we, we hate the general manager more than we hate the coach. But if you get rid of the general manager, you got to also get rid of the coach too as well. You can't do half in, half out, bring some guy in. Nagy's a lame duck. You're just burning years at that point. Yep. So we're in a lot of trouble, man. And, and I will say my, my final point on it is we're five and five, right? Where if we keep going down the path that we're going, we might have a shot at one of the five, six quarterbacks in this next draft. You know, we might have a shot at Kyle Trask or something like that. And, you know, yep. trust me, Bears fans are already looking at the YouTube clips trying to figure it out. <laughs> the other one that's really scary, though, is this team is really competitive. They get to eight and eight. They get to nine and seven. You know, if they rip off five or six, they get to 10 and six, maybe get in the playoffs. But the problem with that, though, is we think Trubisky's coming back 
we do want to move on from Trubisky. We don't want him. We don't want to be in this limbo of like, hey, he did do pretty good. Look at those numbers. Last four games, blah, 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 yada, yada. Maybe we franchise him. You know, I think we had already made a decision on that. We would hate to reopen that door and revisit and it really start to ask ourselves questions that I think we already know the answer to about the future of Trubisky on the Bears. So to your point, definitely you got to do the GM head coach implosion. I think Giants fans were really worried as much as we love Joe Judge early on in the season. The skeptics were kind of on us for the fact that Gettleman was still there and you keep the same GM and the head coach and the mismanagement from up top, but everyone's kind of bit the bullet on that. But do you point on this offense? I thought it was very interesting. You open the game trying to get a guy like Darnell Mooney involved, first pass of the game, and then nothing else for the remainder of the game. Then the offense kind of barreled down to Cordero Patterson revenge game against the Vikings at the kickoff <laughs> return. But I felt like it was the same jet read option wildcat play but as the game progressed, it got sloppier and it became very predictable and it bursted early in the game and then nothing was happening from it. And, you know, to your point, they wanted to set up those plays, but they took a shot early. You know, the play you're talking about to Anthony Miller, it's a little overthrown off his hands, it gets picked off. And you never really saw anything else uh, like that through the remainder of the game. Everything that Allen Robinson was short, again, nothing deep to Mooney. I know he was open on a post and granted, maybe Nick Foles just, isn't that kind of guy anymore and I get it you know he doesn't have the best arm strength but I thought the offense was just very head scratching in terms of what kind of concept you were trying to run you know I just go into the wildcat more often than not was like okay but the Vikings had the lead you know if you're trying to run out the clock and, and you're controlling the tempo of the game wildcat go ahead wildcat him to death but I also know to your defense and to the Bears defense no Cohen no Montgomery. I know it's a product of kind of what you have in that running game, and that's how you get it going. I just think, again, you don't force you, – you can't force things. You know, I didn't make the point about the Bucks, but what makes your offense look so bad sometimes, so forced. You, you got you to gotta coach to, to the team you have, to the assets you have. You got to trust the guys you have at a given point to go out and make the plays regardless of the score, and it just looked like the Bears had gloves on in the offense it looked like they were trying to take it very slow they didn't fully trust Foles after the pick they didn't want to get Anthony Miller the ball Cordero was the only one producing and so the offense just became the way it was and the kickoff return was the only explosive play you had and I'm with you man I mean it's 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 a lack of rhythm it's a lack of confidence they do stuff all the time that you just really can't like put your finger on where I'm with you where they do this whole like they do this weird offensive foreplay thing where they're like, hey, let's just kind of like get it going a little bit. Let's take our time. Let's get it, you know. And then, of course, they're not disciplined or talented enough where they eventually make a mistake, a false start, drop pass, a sack, like a that. hold, incomplete. Sack, a hold, and it, it backs them up. And this little fun little thing that they were doing all of a sudden is, is, is kaput. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, maybe we should just force the ball to Allen Robinson, you know. They're just, it's reactionary. There's no flow to it. And then they do this other stuff where it's like third and eight will hand the ball off to the fourth running back who gets blown up in the backfield. And you're like, why do they give the ball to Ryan Nall on a third and eight? Because they thought they were so clever and tricky or something. It's just really hard to put your finger on it. And it just feels desperate, man. It just smacks yeah. of desperation and no real cohesion and thought process and rhythm and game plan. Like their first, you know, the old first 15 play, the first 15 offensive plays that you run, they're just garbage. Like, there's, you know, and that's been so frustrating because he's supposed to be an offensive minded coach. 
everyone has a game plan until that first three and out. You want to take it easy. You want to develop. Then you're like, oh, there's a pick. Oh, three and out. Oh, now we're down 10, nothing. Uh, well, let's try to go back to the script. And then it's like, well, now it's third and eight again. And it's like, what am, what are we going to do? I don't have anything for this. So. Yeah, that's the best when they, they win the coin toss and they're like, we'll take the ball. They get the ball. Three and out. All right, cool. And uh, <laughs> tough start. <laughs> should have deferred. We should have deferred. <laughs> Steven Rodriguez, man, thank you so much for joining. Everyone, check out Believe in New York Football and the Believe Podcast Network. An absolutely fantastic show with analysis and, and great insights from a gambling and betting perspective. This dude knows his football. Steven, man, so great to talk to you. Great to see you again, man. I hope to bring you back on soon. It's always a pleasure. Joey, thanks for having me. And I didn't make a joke yet, but when Theo Epstein ends up on the New York Mets, God, I will give him a hug for you. For you, with you in mind. Tell him he's a great guy. Tell him there's uh, no hard feelings. We love him for life. Uh, free hot dogs on Chicago for the rest of his life. So, no, he, he's all good, man. You're just going to have to wait probably a year because he, he's not – Dude, he's not a liar. If he says he's taking time off, he's taking time off. So you, you give him that space, all right? You can text him, but just don't over-text him, you know? I don't want to coddle him. I just, I know what he does for franchises who are desperate for championships. And God, if he's looking for a challenge, and I know he is, come on over. We're going to have to make some hard choices. Uh, we're going to have to cut Robinson Cano. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Robinson Cano is going to cut himself. It's beautiful. I love it when the plan comes together. You just cut yourself. I, I absolutely love uh, picking him up in fantasy last year, and he's hitting like 387. And you're like, how the hell is Robinson Cano? All right, let's ride him for a couple weeks. Oh, now we know why. Oh, the fastest bat speed he's had since 2004. How is how is that happening? I don't know. Huh, Diuretics, baby. Diuretics. <laughs> Dude, uh, Steven Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining, man. It's always great to talk to you. This was Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. This was your NFL lines for week 11, you guys. Make sure you go to Bet Online, whether it's during the game or whether it's before the game. Make sure you put down a little something on betonline.ag. Hopefully, you can make a little cash tonight, and hopefully, we were able to help you do so. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. We're back with a couple more pods this week. Before it's the holidays, so make sure you stick around and tune in. Until then, be well, be safe, be good to each other, and we will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.